Welcome back to the podcast where we prod the sheep and beat the wolf. This is episode 66. Division is the point. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters, Genesis 1, 1 through 2. Order in creation. Just moments before, in the beginning, nothing existed. And for limitless eternities, our God was perfectly thrilled to dwell enraptured within the inner Trinitarian love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then, oh, about six to 10,000 years ago, God caused time to start ticking and space to bubble into being. The text tells us that God first created the heavens and the earth, which before the issuance of light was just a collection of dark, formless, voided proto-matter that had yet to be organized into something meaningful. But all of that changed in verse 2. Once the dark and watery building blocks of primordial mass were sung into being, the first thing that our triune God does in verse 2 is hover over it. This action signifies his absolute sovereignty and dominion over the matter that he will henceforth be organizing. You see, to hover over the disordered water of pre-cosmological substances demonstrates that Yahweh is the one who will be taming the chaos, shaping it into a cosmos and specifying it into something orderly and useful for his purposes. Thus, in six sequential 24-hour days, Yahweh calls forth light out of darkness and then pulls heaven and earth out of the primordial waters filling everything that he made with life, beauty, and peace. The original Melkor. When God sings the universe into existence, he infuses it with purpose, life, beauty, and order. Like a master composer, he doesn't allow his celestial symphony to disintegrate into chaos or to lapse into ear-jarring cacophony. He sang existential and intrinsic order into his masterpiece, and he fashioned and invited all of heaven's newly created hosts to join him in the cosmic ballad, which was very good. At some point in the song, and no one quite knows how long, the simple harmonies were mixed with the most bitter discord. A rival song was being sung by Earth's original Melkor, and among the divergent notes, a contingent of heavenly beings began to defect from their god and followed the dragony piper song like rats running to their doom. At this point, the god of order damned the archangel of chaos to slither shamefully upon his serpentine belly, dragging himself across the barren earth until the lake of fiery chaos could be prepared for him and his minions forever. Unlike God, this miserable creature hated beauty, life, and order. He reveled in chaos, destruction, and disorder. He hated everything that God made, especially the human beings that God was so fond of singing about. From that moment on, the serpent of old would become man's mortal enemy, seeking to extinguish his life, to rob his people of beauty, vitality, and joy, 
and to fill his neighborhoods, societies, and communities with pure, unadulterated confusion and disorder. Satan's Discordant Symphony This campaign of mayhem began amid the beauty and tranquility of Eden's orderly gardens. It was there that the cunning serpent sowed division between the first man and his wife, which caused discord within their marriage, and division between them and their God, and enmity between them and the creation, who now lived in fear and dread of man. This, however, would not be the end of Satan's meddlings. Throughout the century, the dragon has sown discord, disunity, chaos, and open rebellion against God into one society after another. From a spirit of pure malevolence, this menacing entity still foments his sinister plan to topple the race of man. Lucifer, the master of discord, finds solace when unity is fractured and harmony collapses among a people. Like a twisted artist, he revels in the macabre he orchestrates, relishing the scent of bitterness, rejoicing in the notes of animosity that linger in the air. Division is his chief weapon. His carefully hewn masterpiece crafted to purposely erode trust, to foster disintegration, and to extinguish the sweet harmonies of the father's song wherever it be found. With meticulous precision, he exploits the deepest fears and insecurities within the human race, manipulating the fragile strands that bind us all together, causing us to turn on our God which causes us to turn on one another. Now, Satan knows that where godlessness takes hold, division thrives. And where division thrives, love crumbles, compassion wanes, and the very essence of humanity grows sick, despondent, and crippled under his schemes. And in this wasteland of fractured souls, he seeks to reign as malignant despot, gloatingly a pile atop of ever-growing human bodies. He is the architect of despair, perpetuating a cycle of anguish and suffering on everyone and everything that he can catch up in his snare. That is his modus operandi, and he has done this over and over and over again. The Marks of Melkor in America Welcome to modern-day America. After a dramatic origination founded upon the knowledge of God in a good and faithful constitution, we now find ourselves once again sick with the devil's lullaby. A little more than a half century ago, rampant sexual immorality became the norm among teens and young adults in this country. For the first time in human history, people in this nation were legally allowed to have their babies chopped up in little pieces in agony inside of their wombs, discarded like human vermin in medical waste bags, and donated to universities that would perform experiments on those dead babies in the name of the science. A generation later, homosexuality and lesbianism became the rampant satanic leaven injected into society's rotten lump. Forty years now, this has festered into an insidious rainbow-colored mold that is morally calcifying this country. Today, men no longer understand what it means to be men. Society has no answer for what a woman is. Colleges dole out gender studies degrees so that a new generation of delusional deviants can foment intellectual absurdities and outright lies. 
The media is gaslighting everyone. The government and our leaders are bereft of any moral decency or character so that they may not lead anyone. Our children are being perverted in indoctrination camps called the public school systems. And amid all of this chaos and confusion reverberating in this land, the love of God grows ever cold. And the lampstand that once shone brightly to the nations and be, and was beating back the darkness is now in danger of being swallowed by the void as its embers flicker. When you look around and you see a nation as divided as we are, more divided than ever, that is undoubtedly the point. Our enemy never sleeps and is constantly roaming about like a roaring lion seeking whomever he may devour. Dear friends, we did not get here by accident. This was the point, the intention, and the plan all along. Satan seeking to transform this society from a harmonious people into a people who give hearty approval to every kind of wickedness and evil under heaven. Romans 132. And while that was clearly his point, there most certainly is a sovereign cure. The gospel kills division. Our God has not left us to face the serpent on our own. He did not leave us in our chains and miseries to be eternally accosted by the enemy of our souls, and he has not left the future up for grabs. No. 2,000 years ago, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came to overturn the devil's treachery, to bind the strong man, to heal man's virulent soul, and to reunite God's people with their God and with fellow man. The chaos of sin was silenced through the sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the deep chasm of division between humanity and God was permanently healed on that hill. In a single act of the most profound love, Christ embraced the weight of our transgressions and he bore the agony of our iniquities. And with each agonizing breath, he conquered the chaos that held us captive, disarming the powers of darkness and offering us a pathway to redemption. Through his precious blood shed and perfect atonement, he washed away the stains of our iniquities and he reconciled us with our heavenly father. In the glorious triumph of his resurrection, Christ shattered the chains of division, restoring unity between God and man and granting us the promise of eternal life, which is a resounding declaration of hope. In Christ, dear friends, the chaos of sin is forever vanquished and the division between us and God forever mended. This has occurred powerfully, finally, forever, and ultimately between God and us, since there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 8, 1. Everything that once separated us spiritually from God has been abated so that there is therefore now nothing that can separate us from his love, Romans 8, 35 through 38. Absolutely nothing. But this is not just a reality for the soul this is not just a truth that is vouchsafed for us in heaven, as true as that is. In Christ, the devilish poison of division is not only being 
perfectly extracted from your soul. It is daily being put to death by the power of the Spirit of God in your life. Through the paraclete's relentless conviction, our hearts are being stirred. All of the division that we, that we bore is now being laid bare. Our minds are being rewoven with the threads of the gospel, casting off the shackles of the generational shackles of animosity and embracing the eternal mind of Christ. All the glorious fruit that the Spirit has wrought already and is already working now within us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are now trickling forth in the purest droplets from the soul of the spiritual babes and they are gushing forth like a mighty river from the long in love and long in service to the Lord Christ. Empowered now by the spirit of grace, we extend grace, forgiveness, reconciliation, bridging the chasm of severed relationships with the unwavering love of Jesus. Guided by the spirit's wisdom, now we discern truth, we dismantle falsehoods that bring discord into our homes and neighborhoods and societies, a whole people. Let us yield to the Holy Spirit's sanctifying fire for under his mastery and care, all division withers and all unity begins to thrive, birthing for Jesus's church, a testimony of God's transformative power within us. While the enemy comes to steal and to kill and destroy the church in the name of Jesus Christ comes to seal and to heal and to spread joy. Our country is in a mess right now. The fingerprints of Satan's sadistic schemes are everywhere. And if something doesn't happen quickly, this nation is going to be torn asunder, collapsing into the same rubble as Rome before her. But this need not be America's fate. If the church would pray for revival... If we would speak the truth in love instead of hiding, if we would proclaim the gospel of peace, if we would interject ourselves like salt into the middle of the rot, if we would shine forth like Christ in a crooked and adulterated generation, then we may yet see the nation spared from the coming wrath of God. Perhaps if we would preach the gospel like Jonah or weep like Jeremiah or maybe if we would repent like Nebuchadnezzar, or if we would stand firm against the enemies of God like Samson, if we would worship as ardently and as passionately and as thoroughly as David, or if we would employ wisdom like his son Solomon, if we would be industrious in our society as Daniel and Joseph, if we would chase after the whoring Gentiles with the love of God like Hosea, and if we who are filled with the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead would live like the apostles going from town unto town, declaring the freedom of the risen Christ, then I believe that we would see this nation turn back to God. Division, chaos, discord, and disunity are all symptoms of walking away from him. They are hallmark attacks of the enemy who hates humanity with a passion and wants to see us destroyed as Christians. We know the answer. We have the remedy. 
We have the antidote to the serpent's poisonous venom. The only loving thing we can now do is supply it as liberally as we can, as much as we can, as often as we can, wherever chaos and division are still found. We don't have time to hide or to blend in. If we do nothing, this country will collapse into rubble. And it may already be too late, which only God knows. But for you and I, while there's still breath in our lungs and while we still see and understand the truth, let us proclaim it. Let us pray that the pagans will be converted to Christ. Let us petition heaven that this nation will repent and bow down again to the Savior. And let us labor with everything that we have to see his kingdom advancing in this place. Christ or chaos. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope that you have been blessed. I don't know where you're listening from today, but I can guarantee that Satan has not thrown up the white flag of defeat in your neighborhood, and he sure hasn't thrown it up in mine. As you go throughout your day-to-day, pray. Pray that the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ would come on earth as it is in heaven. Pray that Satan would be crushed under the feet of the advancing church and that brave, courageous men would don our pulpits and declare the glorious gospel of Christ all throughout this nation. If you'd like to support this channel, you can like this show. You can subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you'd like to support the ministry of The Shepherd's Church, go to www.theshepherds.church. That's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D-S dot church and click the giving tab. Until next time, God bless you and keep fighting. Keep fighting.